Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad, not only is it broadcast in North Korea, they play it twice a day. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining and new and improved sound of the Pipes Magazine radio show. I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the smoke-filled recording studio built here at my office just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Let me explain the new and improved in just a little bit. But right now, in tonight's show, in Pipe Parts, I've brought in a special guest, Sean Bradley. You'll have to check this out. This is going to help all of us pipe smokers that travel. My guest tonight, Mark Irwin. Mark is helping put together the Peterson Pipes Chronicles, and I thought no better person to have on than Mark, considering... Hey, St. Patrick's Day is Monday, so a little luck of the Irish to y'all, and we'll be having fun talking about Peterson Pipes and stuff like that with Mark. Plus, right after Mark and before the mailbag, the big announcement on the JDRF auction. We're doing it again this year. Yes, this year. I'll give you all the details after that. Mailbag, rant, all that coming up in this episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. So I mentioned better sounding, maybe bigger, louder, better than ever before. Well, guess what I did? Over the weekend, I spent some time looking in my computer, trying to figure out some stuff, reorganizing files, and I found a new audio mixing program that's absolutely free that I could throw in there. So now the sound should be bigger, brighter, and better than ever. And yes, if I seem a little louder to you, well, hey, take that volume that you got, turn it down just a little bit, but this show should be crystal clear and bright and shiny. And it's part of the uh, efforts of continuously trying to improve the Pipes Magazine radio show experience for all of us including me sitting right here. So, all right, everybody, we got a big jam-packed show, so let's get right to it. Sit back, fire up a bowl. Thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeershamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MeershamStore.com, the most trusted Meersham store for 50 years. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meersham corncob pipe an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. This is Gary Schreier, and this is the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. So as I mentioned, we're going to change things up a little bit for pipe parts, and we're bringing in an expert, an expert in the field of, uh, of traveling, which I do a fair bit of. So please welcome to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show, Sean Bradley. Sean is the founder of Smoketells.com, which features only smoking hotel rooms. Am I correct? Yes, you're absolutely correct. Okay. So tell me, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Let's get to know you just a little bit before we learn how to book a, a hotel room where we can smoke in. Sure, sure. My name is Sean Bradley. I was actually born and raised in Manchester, New Hampshire, on the East Coast in New England. Um, I had actually moved out to California a little over one year ago, and recently in Lake Forest, I started Smoketells.com. Did you have any travel experience in the any any travel history before that? 
Yes, actually, that's one of the reasons why I founded SmokedHealth.com was from my own personal experience. I was actually a business traveler, and I traveled quite often every month, and I found it quite time-consuming having to go to numerous travel sites and really digging deep within their site trying to find hotels that even had smoking rooms anymore. I know many years ago it was more simplified. They used to designate on sites if you were looking for smoking or not, but now it's been taken away, and it's becoming much harder to find these places to go to. So the website, which I've got up in front of me, the website is www.smoketels.com, and it acts as a travel website. How does it work? Tell, talk me through. I want to I want to go ahead and book a room. How do I go about doing it? Sure. So what you do is you actually go to our website. You put in the destination of where you're looking for a hotel at. You put in your, your dates of your travel, how many people are going, and then you basically hit search. Once you hit search, it populates a list of hotels with available smoking rooms for those dates of travel. You can go ahead and select one of those hotels. It will let you know what smoking rooms are available at their hotel. You hit the book button, put in your payment information and all that information. You hit submit, and it gives you a confirmation number. And basically, your hotel is reserved, and you're all set for your trip. So we don't we don't have to register with you or sign up for some secret club or wonderful handshake first and just go. No, there's no registration. There's no other strings attached. We're a free site that offers no booking fees, no cancellation fees, um, and it's just no different than most of your travel sites out there like Expedia, Travelocity, and Orbitz. It's basically functioning the same way, except the only inventory we carry on our site is strictly smoking hotel rooms only. Is it just in the United States, or is it global? Um, well, our hotels are global. We have over 100,000 hotels worldwide. Um, we're based out of California. Our site is constructed right now to be specifically in the English language with U.S. currency. Technically speaking, anyone from around the globe can use our site right now. However, they just have to go ahead and translate the language as well as the currency. And I know there's many sites that automatically do that and web browsers that do that and ask if you want to translate. So generally speaking, it is open to the, the whole world. It's just that for those outside of the United States or English-speaking countries, um, they would generally have to do that extra step of translating. Um, in the future, we do plan on implementing our site in multiple languages and multiple currencies, as well as having a physical presence in a lot of countries throughout the world. But right now, this is basically where we made our company. It's based out of, and that's what our primary focus is on right now, the United States. And when I see the hotels come up, there's descriptions of the hotels and the locations, so it's not like one of those mystery websites where you don't know exactly what hotel you're getting until you book it. Correct. Yeah, it's not one of those, like some of the sites where you get a special deal as long as you make a payment now, and then once you make the payment, they'll tell you where you're staying at. That's simply not what we're at. You know, right from the start where you'll be staying before you even hit that book reservation button. Are the prices as competitive as like an Orbitz or Expedia? Yeah, they're just as competitive. We actually have a low price guarantee on our site. Um, we utilize the same booking engines that a lot of travel carriers use. So we do have a lot of similar pricing structure. However, some of us do have extra specials that the hotels give us directly. Some hotels set aside certain rooms for certain sites and give them certain rates to promote out to their customers. Um, so we function the same. We do have specials, um, but we are a low-price guaranteed site. And for me as a regular business traveler, I tend to stick within the Hilton group. Can I still also get my Hilton Honors points? So, um, no, not through our site. We do not have a rewards program currently since our launch last month. Um, we are looking into a rewards program and working with hotel chains to um, go ahead and honor some of those points from things that are booked on our site and vice versa. But as of right now, no. If you do book on our site, um, no reward points are, are given or carried through. Are there some cities where it's almost impossible to find a, a hotel room that you can smoke in? Depending upon the state and the city, yes. There are actually laws that mandate and restrict 
um, from having smoking rooms in some cities or having a very limited inventory. Um, I can tell you this, because of the limited inventory and some people traveling to that same city, sometimes those rooms sell out quick. So there are sometimes rooms in that city, they're just not available right now. But it is generally a limited inventory, and again, it is based upon your jurisdiction of where that establishment is located. So places like Delaware, where I believe you can't smoke in any hotel rooms, that kind of makes it tough to even have a smoking hotel room in it. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and unfortunately it's due to the laws that kind of make these restrictions, and there's nothing we can really do about that. Um, however, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I do believe there are some cities and jurisdictions within Delaware that still do allow smoking rooms. Um, it's just they only allow a certain percentage of rooms within an establishment to be dedicated as smoking. And that's kind of how it is around, uh, around the country in certain areas. They restrict the percentage of rooms that are to be allowed. And then there's actually some states and some cities that have no restrictions. So it's really a toss-up. It just depends on where you're looking to travel to. What cities, in your opinion, are the best for uh, availability of smoking rooms? I can tell you um, mostly southern states and southern state cities have the highest percentage rate of available smoking rooms. Um, as it states through statistically, is the south is more smoke-friendly <laughs> in the country. We've got something going for us here. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Any uh, any other travel-related tips since, since you've been on the road yourself? Yeah, one thing I just think it's important to know and something I was always faced with when I was spending all those hours each time looking for a, a smoking hotel in a room is that I noticed a lot of times from my searching is that a lot of those other sites don't even indicate if a room is smoking or not, and some of them will, will allow you to put in a preference of smoking or not, but it's not a guarantee. And I've even done that in the past myself where I would put in a preference of smoking because it didn't indicate it literally within that room description. And when I got to the hotel to check in, they said they didn't have any smoking rooms available, and unfortunately a preference is not a guarantee. And that's one, you know, travel tip that I have for people to look out for. And that's really why it's important that people come and look at smoketels.com and what we have to offer because our hotel rooms are all smoking rooms only. These are not preference-related rooms. These are guaranteed smoking rooms. And that's one thing that people really need to look out for. And these rooms doesn't matter, cigarette, pipe, or cigar, whatever you want to smoke, right? Any legal smoking substance, they're, they're fine with. Now, in Colorado, that means a whole different thing. Yeah, it'll be interesting to find out how the market and public, um, you know, deal with those things as time goes on. Sean, I want to thank you for joining us and uh, bringing your, uh, your expert opinion to this little segment and something, something new that we've done. And thank you for putting the website out there. Everybody should, all of us that travel, should check out smoketells.com. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And we'll be back with Mark Irwin on the phone in just a minute. Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is Molto Dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. <laughs> Just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Mm -hmm. Hey! Sutliff Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Malto Dolce blend in public. This is Internet Radio. In honor of the upcoming St. Patrick's Day holiday, I thought it would be 
absolutely perfect to find a Peterson pipe enthusiast and expert. And that enthusiast and expert comes to us in the way of Dr. Mark Irwin, pipe collector, and now a project manager for the upcoming Peterson Pipes Chronicles. Mark, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Oh, thank you, Brian. I'm happy to be here. So let's start at the beginning. Where'd you grow up? How'd you get started smoking a pipe? I, uh, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, started with a pipe when uh, I missed the first two months of uh, high school with uh, mononucleosis, and uh, since I wasn't doing any of the schoolwork I was supposed to do, I was reading Lord of the Rings, and uh, the whole pipe thing uh, fascinated me and found uh, some of my dad's K-woodies uh, in a drawer. He used to smoke half and half once in a while, and uh, got one out, and there was a wonderful uh, brick-and-mortar store, Ted's Pipe Shop, yeah. run by a fiery Irish young woman and she uh kind of guided me along in her um rather acerbic and i don't know how you describe that i interviewed her for the pipe collector uh when she was finishing her 50th year uh in that shop and she passed away last year but she was really kind of the guiding force behind teaching me how to smoke um Although I didn't buy my first Peterson from her, I bought a couple of basket pipes, and I remember how mad she got because one of them I thought was burning out, and she tried to convince me otherwise, and I had to take my dad in and you know, get her to trade pipes out with me and finally settled on a, a beautiful little Joby that uh, I still have. But she was really the one who got me smoking, and I was just so interested in the whole thing that uh, this guy I was working with at Oklahoma Natural Gas uh, I saw he was smoking his pipe. Uh, he ran the coffee shop there and became friends with him. And he's like, you don't have a Peterson? And I was like, no. And he said, man, you're you're really missing out. So we uh, got in his car and drove up to uh, Norman, Oklahoma, where he'd gone to school. And uh, they had uh, an array of wonderful pipes. I think it was the, called the Tobacco Barn. And uh, I selected a Peterson 309, the straight-sided billiard, or the Dutch billiard, as Peterson calls it. And that got me started, but he was uh, actually writing uh, paperback originals, horror novels at the time. And so we thought we ought to kind of create our own pipe magazine, and being young and foolish and not knowing that you weren't supposed to do that sort of thing, we started uh, a book called, or a magazine called uh, Pipeman's Quarterly, for pipe and coffee connoisseurs, because we kind of spent our time either drinking coffee or uh, smoking pipes. And um, that went on from, I don't know, 1980 to 1987. We did about oh, 18 or 19 issues, I guess. And we had a small but uh, interesting uh, subscription list. Uh, Tom Dunn got interested in us from Pipe Smokers Ephemeris, and he was always really encouraging and we got um, a subscription from Ben Rappaport, who's uh, still my favorite, absolute favorite curmudgeon in the uh, pipes universe. And whenever I need to get my uh, barnacles blown off, I, I write to Ben. And I'd really hoped, you know, he was going to help us on this project, and he may still, but uh, he sees things exactly the opposite way I do most of the time. So even though I adore him and all the stuff he's he's written uh he 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 told me on one of the issues and i don't have this letter anymore i've looked for it everywhere he wrote me back in longhand once and he said i don't know what you guys are doing but this magazine of yours is O to the three odd obtuse and off the wall <laughs> and i have never forgotten that um and and you know the funny thing is He's, he's been a fantastic critic, and he's sort of been up in my head as a writer all my life, well, since 1982 or 83, because um, I look at that magazine now, and uh, it seems to have everything you'd see in a magazine, like uh, Pipes and Tobaccos. We had original poetry from guys we knew, because we were all in grad school, guys who were poets, and we had book reviews, and we had Christopher Morley lookalike contests. 
uh, hilarious letters to the editor. Uh, and we just kind of put in anything we could find because we were always digging around in the library or writing stuff ourselves. What did you go to school for? Um, I started out in uh, religious studies and uh, quickly added a double major in psychology and made it almost to the end before I realized I was never going to get through statistics. And so then I added a major in uh, literature, and one of my professors said, you know, there's a career in this. You could uh, do religion and literature at the college level and um, went on to Baylor and then finally finished the Ph.D. at the uh, University of Virginia many, many years later in the 90s. And it, it, was, it was a really fun time uh, for pipes and tobaccos, although guides were hard to find and you did everything through the mail, which is hard to believe now. Yeah. Uh, so anything you could dig up was just, you know, a gold mine. So you put out the magazine while you're while you're also doing grad school, and then you finally go back and get your PhD afterwards. Um, I, I've always been one of those guys who um, just sort of did what he wanted to do uh, as long as I could pay the rent. And so graduate school was pretty much continuous. Uh, but I was working. Sometimes I'd work forty hours a week, like uh, my undergrad. I worked nights as a radio dispatcher. And sometimes later on, when grad school got a little more intense, I just I usually worked about 20 hours a week at the university library. Uh, so it was continuous, but it was the mid-90s when I finally got my degree. And the, the downside of that was by the time I got my degree, the interdiscipline that uh, I got my degree in, which was uh, religion and literature, had been absorbed by English departments, and so there wasn't any market for it. Oh, no. Yeah, it was a little bit of a bummer, uh, but I, I don't know. It, it all worked out okay. I spent, after I, I taught at uh, a community college for a while, uh, did what I call janit janitorial work at Southern Methodist University, taught some religion and film classes, but finally ended up in an inner-city uh, public school uh, teaching middle school English, and I've just been happy as I could be for the last, I guess this is my 17th year now. Wait, wait, did I hear that correctly? You're happy teaching middle school? Yeah, I know. Okay. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a very, yeah. I, I, think that's, I think that's O to the three. It is, it is. You're exactly right. So, see, that, that's one of the tattoos I was telling you about before you started recording. I've got that O to the three on my left bicep to remind me that uh, <laughs> I'm, I don't really think I'm from this planet. So now you're a full-time teacher and pipe smoker all along the whole time? Yeah. Um, I had a brief, a brief flirtation with cigars back in the 90s when everybody else was doing that. But uh, as soon as I realized there were other tobaccos, Virginia tobaccos besides McBaron's, number one, which meant that I could actually smoke my pipe more than three times a week, I dropped the cigars. <laughs> Because so, I thought, wow, well, I'm not going to have tongue burn every day. I'll, I'll just smoke my cigar, uh, my pipe every day. And the the love with Peterson pipes has stayed with you all the way through. Yeah, that's that's really curious. Um, we used to visit all the brick and mortars wherever we'd go, of course. Um, and and by we, I mean my wife and I, and then whatever buddies I was hanging out with. And I was always one for picking up whatever they've got laying on the counter. So. Um, Three or four years ago, I looked at all this stuff I had, and, and I noticed that all the Peterson guys that I respected on the Internet were dying off. And I was like, you know, there really needs to be a book about this company. Uh, and I started digging around my stuff, and I thought, man, you've got a lot of stuff here. Uh, so I started getting in contact with uh, some of the people on the Internet. Um, the Scotsman Jim Lilly was uh, doing a, a blog that he uh, had to quit doing, oh, about a year ago due to health reasons. And he helped me uh, set up a team to uh, write this book because I knew there were some parts of it I, I just couldn't do without everybody, you know, everybody's input. And he connected me with the then president of the uh, Sacramento Pipe Club, uh, Gary uh, Malmberg, who also runs an estate pipe business. And then there's another guy, uh, a reti recently retired trucker named Chuck Wright, who was all over the boards for Peterson Pipes. So 
So uh, with those three guys, we kind of mapped out what we wanted to do for the book. And um, it's taken a long time because I really wanted it to be a collaborative project. Because what I like most about pipe smoking, even though I consider myself an introvert, I really like uh, being around other guys and talking to them because that's just how I learn. So we kind of, it was a little rough doing it all uh, through the Internet and over the phone, but we got it all hammered out. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Chuck passed away about uh, a year ago, January, and uh, Jim had to drop out uh, due to ill health. Um, But it's, you know, it's still coming along really well. And uh, Gary is kind of my historical expert, and he's done most of the early history and then uh, I do all the other crazy stuff that goes into trying to put a project together like this. We're going to take a break right here because that's perfect. When we come back, we'll talk about Peterson Pipes and the Peterson Pipe Chronicles. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog and wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at smokingpipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to smokingpipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com. We are back. It's not often times that we hear of somebody catching on to one particular brand of pipe and staying with it for as many years of you as you have. Can you give us a little comparison of what a uh, what smoking a Peterson pipe is like compared to some of the other brands that we all know and uh, might have smoked ourselves? Yeah, um, I have several artisan grade, you know, high grade pipes, mostly Italian because that's my other big interest. But I have a few from the Americans like, you know, Skip Elliott out at the Briary made a pipe for me. And just recently I got a really expensive, nice Italian pipe because I I work with Luca De Piazza over at neatpipes.com. And uh, at the same time, I got an estate Donegal Rocky, which is a Peterson, kind of a mid-grade it's a rusticated pipe, and, you know, I paid about $60 for the, the Estate Peterson, and I paid about 10 times that for this other pipe, and I'm not going to tell you the brand. But uh, the, the funny thing is, as I kept smoking them, I thought, man, this Peterson, it's just incredible. It's amazing. And maybe it's because I love Estate pipes, and maybe it's because I've just smoked Petersons for too long, but... The thing about a Peterson is you can start with an entry-grade line like, uh, oh, the St. Patrick's Day pipes right now. They, You know, they go for around $100 or so. And you get the right pipe, and the engineering on the stem work and the bowl work and the finishing, you've just got, you know, of course there's the, the magic briar factor, which, you know, sometimes you get a piece of briar that just it doesn't behave correctly. But some of those $100 pipes, I've got several in my racks, and they're, they're just amazing. And then, you know, as you, as you grow into uh, the brand, the thing about them is uh, they go all the way up to uh, some of the finest, well, I'd say the finest factory pipes in the world. Uh, I've got a, a gold band XL339, which is my favorite shape. It's the 309 straight-sided billiard shape. And it's a honey, and I would stack that pipe up against any Dunhill, any day, any time. And then in between, you've got their uh, their year pipes, their pipes of the year, uh, excellent finish, excellent quality, and they all tend to be extra large bowls, which uh, uh, Americans like to smoke anyway. 
so it's like any stop on the way that you're interested in as a smoker, whatever your price point entry is, you know, Peterson's pretty well got it covered. And since they've got 150 years of history, they go they, they go back every couple of years and they'll do an antique reproduction like uh, this last set, which is their third set of antique pipes. Um, they're these two not quite chubbies, uh, but they're small pipes with, with nice full bowls, but they're four and a half, four and three quarters inch long. And they're straight out of the 1905 catalog. And you're like, wow, this is really history. These are amazing pipes uh, for the price. Because uh, they were, I think, the, the set's probably under 400. Do you have a preference of the P-Lip or the uh, or a traditional? I do. Uh, I think the P-Lip is remarkable. And, in fact, I'm working on a smoking the system pipe chapter right now for the book. And as I was talking about and researching the different parts of the system, one of the things that the P-Lip does that, that people don't seem to understand is by dispersing the uh, smoke over the top of the, of the tongue rather than the tip of the tongue, I think, this is just my opinion, that you get a better flavor distribution. Um, I was reading some semi-scientific uh, explanations of how the tongue map works. And this guy was saying that, and he was a wine expert and a beer expert, but from what he was saying, it sounds to me like the P-Lip uh, even scientifically gives you a better uh, taste impression of the tobacco. And then I like a pipe that's real versatile that I can uh, clench because I do a lot of writing and I like to work in a shop. Uh, so unless I'm under my car, uh, you can clench it. And just because it's so comfortable, your tongue just slides in. Uh, underneath that uh, P-lip bit, and it's kind of elevated on the top. So as long as the P-lip has been made correctly, and i got to admit there's a few that uh, they need to work on here recently that are a little bit too uh, rounded for that kind of comfort. But uh, for the most part, if I can get them, uh, I'll get a P-lip on everything. They're Sherlock Holmes. They'll come that way. And I remember uh, asking a guy I'd bought an earlier antique collection set from. They came with fishtails, and I was like, oh, this just isn't right. And, and I said, can you get me the P-Lip for it? And he said, really? You want a P-Lip on these? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and it made the difference. Um, so I think, I think they're vastly underrated. And you know that, that P-Lip is uh, a graduated bore. It goes from uh, 3.5 up at the button down to 5 millimeters uh, at the end. And uh, Rick Newcomb, who is, I call him the Apostle of Pipes, because I just think he's pretty much got everything uh, right uh, about the hobby right now. And, you know, when he popularized, and, and other people popularized too, but he talked about opening up the draft and creating a, a graduated bore on a traditional uh, stem, I was like, oh, that's interesting, because Charles Peterson thought of this, you know, in uh, 1898. Now, of course, Peterson's Peterson's system works a little differently because he, because of the the constricted draw at the end. It's it's there to create a uh, cyclonic action because the uh, stem actually dips down below the air draft hole. As I'm sure, if anybody's seen a cutaway drawing of a Peterson, they'll know what I'm talking about. So that when you when you draw on the pipe it actually sucks the smoke down the outside of the stem into the reservoir uh, where it drops uh, moisture from the tobacco and then up into uh, the mouth. And that's what makes it such a dry experience. Is there any extra maintenance that you do to your system pipes that you don't do to a traditional tenon mortise? Oh, yeah. And I think that puts people off, too. Um if you're in the cars, it's kind of a, uh, I always like to use the British sports car analogy, you know, because uh, my dad, that's what he worked on all his life uh, uh, when he wasn't at work. He was a, a truck engineer, uh, but what he did part-time was work on British cars because there's always something to do. And that's what he liked was, was always having something to do with those cars because they're always in, you know, various stages of disrepair. But the analogy breaks down there, and I have to revert to a, kind of a, high church, low church metaphor here, because, you know, I'm down here in the Bible Belt, and my background was in religious studies, and so I like to think of these uh, Irish 
uh, pipes, with the system pipes in particular, as um, high church, because there is a lot of uh, maintenance you do. Uh, because they're uh, Army push stems, uh, you, as soon as you finish smoking it, and I talk about this in the book, you need to uh, take it apart when you sit it down and take a tissue and uh, make a twist and sponge out the well. And I leave them uh, broken down overnight or till I get around to cleaning the whole thing because they perform best if they're dry. And you want to let that uh, you want to let that chamber there in the mortise dry out before you smoke it again uh, to be optimal. So the the book, the Peterson Pipe Chronicles, is going to go all the way through the history of Peterson from. Yeah the beginning to the end or the beginning yeah, to now <laughs> right and really it's called uh k and p captain peterson and the peterson pipe is at least that's today's that's been our title for the last several months and uh we start with uh, we start by unscrambling the uh genealogical story which is fascinating uh because the story kind of got sanded down uh by the company and by advertisers over the years and it's really pretty complex, and we had the, the good fortune of uh, getting in touch with uh, some of Cap's uh, heirs who had done some genealogical research. So we, we start with the Caps over in London and uh, take it uh, over to uh, when they set up shop finally uh, in Dublin as tobacconists, and then this uh, young journeyman from uh, Latvia, Riga, Latvia, actually this little village outside, comes over with his journeyman papers and he's like, hey, you know, I want to make pipes for you guys and and I see that, uh, you know, you're carving a few meerschaums here, but uh, I think I can set you up uh, in the briar business. So um, we take it from there all the way to uh, 2015 and um, stop along the way with uh, buying guides and collector's guides that uh, we're still working on. And then we talk about, let me see here. We did, we went last summer, we went to Sally Noggin, my uh, co-author and I, Gary Malmberg, and I recorded, I don't know, eight or ten hours of interviews uh, from present and past employees, including uh, the 90-year-old Patty Larrigan, who is probably the last great living link to Charles Peterson himself because Patty was trained how to cut and, and make pipes by Jimmy Malone, and Jimmy Malone was trained by Charles Peterson. Uh, and then Patty's brother, uh, Liam, was a uh, silversmith, and he was trained by the silversmith who was trained by uh, Charles Peterson. So we uh, got a lot of oral history and uh, some documentation from uh, their museum uh, to back up all the dates and times and then we talk about smoking the Peterson pipe and buying Peterson pipes and my buddy Steve Log, who uh, runs the Reborn Pipes blog uh, up in Canada, he uh, took a couple of pipes from the late Peterson collector Mike Leverett that uh, I was selling for Mike's widow and uh, went through step-by-step step on how to restore the pipe. So we've got a section on uh, restoring uh, estate pipes and what to look for. And then it all kind of ends up with uh, Captain Peterson ephemera. And that, that's what we thought was going to be the hard part was, do we have enough documentation to help us actually create dating guides? But when we got over to uh, Sally Noggin, they're so busy making pipes. They, they just That company has always been working at about 100 and. 608 <laughs> percent trying to put out more product and so they what what they call a museum right now is really just a room with just piles of catalogs and ephemera and pipes and all this stuff and they're like oh yeah this was important and they slam it in a drawer and uh, they gave us the run of the place for a week which i thought was extremely uh, considerate of them wow. and showed us amazing hospitality the entire week and what we found was, because we had a lot of catalogs and we thought we had a lot of brochures, but there were decades that we had nothing on. But when we came back, put it all in a row and got all our photographs uh, up on the computer, they had everything we needed. They just didn't know they had it all. So, um, And apparently they didn't have the time to organize it for you either. 
No, and, you know, I have volunteered to go back. Uh, in fact, I've said if they need a janitor and are willing to pay my expenses, I'll be glad to push the broom in the shop for them because I'm, you know, I'm about at that age where I'm ready for a career change. Um, <laughs> and, and you won't fill your pockets too full. Well, I did come away with a couple of nice pipes over there, uh, and that was, that was uh, lovely. But the great thing about them is that they, they would love to have their story told, and they've just been waiting for somebody to do it. In fact, they tried to get somebody to do it and pay him, oh, I don't know, not too long after Tom Palmer became CEO in the 1990s. And the guy made a bunch of recordings and got started doing it, and then he died off. So uh, I'm trying to watch my blood pressure and see if I can you know, make it to the publication before, uh, before I croak as well. Real quickly, if somebody's looking at a Peterson pipe and looking to get started or try a Peterson, which which pipes would you yeah. suggest they start with? I think they need to start with a system pipe as long as they have somebody there just to give them one or two pointers on how to use it. Uh, because a standard system pipe is just extraordinarily competitively priced out on the market. It seems like $120 maybe. They're not very much. And um, then from there, it's just all, you know, what what can you afford and what will your wife let you get away with? Um, I think the year pipes are a splendid value. Um, all their classic line pipes are pretty great. I, I own a lot of the year pipes and uh, a lot of the, the Sherlock Holmes pipes are uh, delightful. And how they come up with those designs is uh, pretty amazing because their their design work is fascinating because they've got the Peterson aesthetic working even in most of their classic line pipes. And, and by Peterson aesthetic, I mean you, you, in, you instantly recognize a Peterson pipe because it's got a really thick stem. And the reason that stem is there is because when Peterson was designing that system pipe, he needed that space to drill the well. Um, so you see a lot of classic line pipes that could be drilled, and in fact, almost all the Sherlock Holmes pipes could be drilled with a well, most of them, uh, if you wanted to. And in fact, I've had them do a couple of them for me that way. And once in a while, you'll get one, and you open it up, and you're like, hey, this has got a well on it. That's interesting. <laughs> they oopsed. Yeah. So in addition to doing this, you're also regularly blogging for uh, Luca on uh, neat pipes? Yeah, um... I think he saw my uh, pipes and tobaccos in Middle Earth. I did this little book back when I first got to know Bill Unger. And uh, I was trying to break into the little magazine, and I didn't realize, you know, all you got to do is subscribe and send him something, and he'll, uh, he'll finagle it for you into something worth publishing. And so I sent him Pipe Smoking in Middle Earth, which is really more of a monograph, almost a book. And he wrote me back, and he's like, uh, pal, this is a little bit... Uh, too long for our magazine. Maybe you want to think about, you know, publishing it yourself. And so I think Luca saw that book or heard about it, and then I uh, was buying pipes from him because Italian pipes are my other uh, big interest and have been since back in the 1980s. And so he said, you know, I really need somebody to blog on a regular basis. And I said, well, I don't know if I'm the guy for you because I, I tend to write essays or whatever I'm interested in and He's like, no, no, give it a shot, give it a shot. So uh, I started up something that I unfortunately titled The Diary of a Mad Padster, uh, Pipe Acquisition Disorder, and uh, kind of came up with an alter ego by the name of Charles Mundungus that I could spin off uh, kind of whimsical things with. And so that's that's been going on for a couple of years now, I guess. And, in fact, I just finished a big Peterson-related uh, visual essay uh, on that blog on the uh, pipes of Basil Rathbone's Sherlock Holmes uh, because I'm so interested in Sherlock Holmes and, you know, the new series that's out uh, on um, from BBC. And so I went back through all those films because everybody's always talking about what Basil Rathbone smoked, and it's always, it's invariably, oh, well, he smoked something from Dudley's of Hollywood or he smoked... Uh, a Dunhill. Well, in 10 of those films, he's smoking a Peterson 4AB, which is another word for my favorite pipe, the Peterson 309, just a slightly higher grade. 
so that's kind of how that came out about. And then Luca published a little book at Christmas based on some blogs I had done called The Five Laws of Pipe Companioning. So uh, I think he and I have kind of come to an understanding that uh, it may not be something every month, but whatever it is, he's, he's like, send it to me and we'll, we'll put it up. Your Fellowship of the Smoke Ring is available on Amazon, so people can look it up that way. They can find your writing on the neatpipes.com blog. And then the Peterson book will be available on Amazon and from the NASPC as well? Um, no, it's um, we're working with Gary uh, Schreier from uh, Briar Books Press on that. And I feel really fortunate, blessed is a better word, that uh, he accepted the book because he is a crackerjack editor. And he his take on things is sufficiently different than mine that he's just a superb foil for what we're doing and he's kind of guided us through and given us a really free hand but he has very high standards and uh that's important for someone who spends uh, his whole day with sixth graders and then tries to write you know at night uh (laughs) that somebody's there watching to see that uh, things are done correctly so we had hoped to have it out by the Chicago show in 2015. And we're peddling just as fast as we can. Uh, but Gary's finally realized, and we've kind of realized that it's just going to be done when it's done. And we hope to, uh, well, when it does come out, uh, Tom Palmer's promised to come over and help us launch the book at Chicago Land. And we've got a 30 minute film of Patty Larrigan the famous Peter Peterson Carver that was made back in the seventies for, um, Irish public TV. And you get to watch Patty cut both the pipe and the stem from start to finish with him talking about it all along the way, which is, which is fascinating. We found the book in uh, the Trinity college archives. Excuse me. We found the, we found the film there kind of by accident, like everything else we do and uh, got a copy of it made so we want to you know kind of show that and uh celebrate peterson maybe get tom to bring a trunk show over uh whenever we get there and i'm sure there will be some jameson had while they uh, when tom's here too of course of course and lots of good coffee too and with that we'll wrap it up with the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answer whatever comes to your mind are you ready I know the answer to the first question, but what's your favorite pipe? Pearson 309 Dutch Billiards. And probably have 12 or 14 of those. And what's your favorite tobacco? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, Virginia's, McClellan's, probably 2015. If I could forward Dark Star and St. James on a regular basis, that's probably what I'd be smoking, but 2015 does it for me. And what's your favorite drink? Coffee. When it's time to relax, is it a book, a movie, or music? Well, that's tough. Um, probably in time spent, I equally divided between books and movies, and then music after that. And lastly, any uh, particularly favorite pipe smoking memory? Uh, yeah, I do. Back when I was first smoking, um, I used to buy an English tobacco from Ted's Pipe Shop in Tulsa, and it was their best. And I had a pretty small bedroom, 12 by 14 or 12 by 12 foot, and I had uh, quite a cloud of tobacco smoke in there. And my dad came in after work, and he'd had a hard day, and he opens the door and he goes, What is all this? It smells like bull chips. And, uh, kind of ranted and raved and you know and i was like oh okay so uh i i got my revenge though because he wasn't a pipe smoker at the time but within five years he was out buying pipes i could not afford which uh i guess you know he humiliated he, he humiliated me a little bit uh by being able to do that but i always like to say you know you wouldn't even be smoking a pipe pal if it hadn't been for me <laughs> 
that must have been one uh, one heck of a cloud. Yeah, it was it was pretty thick. Mark, thank you very much, and uh, happy St. Patrick's Day to you. You're welcome, and to you too. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. There's nothing quite like a good book. Or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. The term one-stop shop is so overused. There's no place that is literally a one-stop shop. Well, guess what? When it comes to your quality tobacco products, there is. It's cupojoes.com. With hundreds of pipe tobacco blends, thousands of pipes in stock, a wide variety of cigars, coffees, accessories, and so much more. All you have to do is go to cupojoes.com, and there it is, cupojoes.com. Quality products, extraordinary prices. Welcome back. You know, as I think of it, really, if you look at the factory pipes, the most active collector's groups or uh, passionate collectors on the market today are uh, Dunhill, Sheraton, and Peterson. And, of course, Sheraton kind of changed their production around, so it's not really the the current stuff that those people collect. But Peterson, still a very passionate following of collectors all around the globe. So in just a few minutes, mailbag, rant, going to skip right over the music because I want to talk about what we did last year was the JDRF auction for uh, benefiting my daughter's walk team to find a cure for type 1 diabetes. And as I mentioned last year, my daughter was diagnosed type 1 diabetic when uh, she was 9 years old, so 7 years ago. Every day she has to test her blood sugar with a finger prick anywhere between 6 to 8 times a day. She gives herself shots 5, 6, 7, 8 times a day for insulin. It's not a conditional treatment. It's not something that she did. It's a autoimmune disease that attacked her pancreas, and she has to monitor her sugar intake and treat it with insulin. There are hundreds of thousands of kids just like her that did absolutely nothing wrong except get a bad gene in their autoimmune system. And every year, the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation holds a walk here in the Charlotte area. We've participated every year. Last year, we raised a little bit over $1,100 just through the kindness of all you fine folks on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Well, this year, we're doing it again. Posted on the show page right now is a link to Pipe Stud Steve Fallon's eBay page where on Saturday he will list two pipes that have been donated to the auction, going up at no reserve. They're both brand new pipes. One is a Peterson, coincidentally, a Fishtail Shannon, brand new in the box, donated by my friend and listener Peter Field. The other one, a brand new Big Ben 9mm filter, that was uh, donated by the fine folks that I work for here at Brigham USA. Both pipes brand new in the box. Both pipes going up 99 cents, no reserve. Both pipes, the proceeds are being donated directly to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Those will be on eBay starting Saturday morning on Pipe Stud Steve Fallon's eBay store. In addition to that, also, there's a link below to if you just want to donate directly to the uh, JDRF in my daughter's name. There'll be a link to her walk team on the uh, show page. We appreciate that. And again, last year we raised a little bit over $1,100. I'd love to top that again this year. Next week we'll have two more items, I believe, going up for auction. We're going to do this over a period of three weeks. I know I've got a donation of some really good-looking tampers coming so if you've got something and you'd like to donate it, please contact me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Scoot it out to me again. We're only doing this the last three Saturdays here in March. Money's got to be turned in on uh, April 8th or 9th, I believe. So three weeks, 
to help a whole bunch of kids that are dealing with diabetes and dealing with having to test their blood sugar, test, give themselves shots, go to the doctor four times a year for tests. Every little dime helps. Every little bit that you can donate certainly helps as well. My daughter appreciates it, and all of us parents of uh, type 1 diabetics, we appreciate it greatly. Yes! You have new mail. And I do love getting mail. I love reading everybody's responses to the shows. Got any questions, got any comments, post them in the forums. Email them to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show's Facebook page. And while you're there, make sure you like the Facebook page. Uh, Dread says, great show. I joined the NASPC after listening to it. Glad you joined. Anybody else that joined just after listening to the show, please let me know. And uh, he further goes on to say, uh, thanks for the shout-out from today's show. Where have I been? I'm a new dad and generally lost inside my head. Hey, anytime you get lost inside your head, you know, feel free to jump inside mine. There's plenty of room in there. Uh, but the info here is great. Even better, and I love this. I love this. I listen when I'm working out. It makes me laugh in my head because I know there are a lot of smoking Nazis all around me while I'm sharpening my knowledge of our hobby. I had I know of one listener in particular that listens to the show over the weekends on uh, iTunes, and he does it while he's getting all of his vitamins all set up for the week. So, vitamins, exercise, great time to listen to the radio show. Um, SS Jones Al said this one didn't disappoint. Jeff is certainly one of the more interesting pipe men in the world, laden with interesting characters. I've met Jeff briefly and exchanged NASPC membership information. So it was wonderful to get a closer glimpse inside his persona. Well done. I also appreciate the shout-out for the newly formed Winchester Pipe Club, which I understand that Winchester Pipe Club is up and going and meeting twice a month now. Uh, Casey Ghost said, Hard to believe I'm making the first reply. Is John Seiler okay? Let me go back a little bit. Apparently there might have been some technical glitches two weeks ago with posting stuff on the forums. John's stuff was there. It just didn't get cleared through some spam or security stuff. Yeah, I was worried too. I even called him. Uh, But John did let me know that for last week's show, he was going to be at a concert on Thursday night and couldn't catch it live. So he gave me advance warning, so I wasn't worried. But anyway, uh, Casey Ghost goes on to say another top flight show. I've never tried Brian's experiment of smoking one pipe and one tobacco all day. I have had to smoke the same pipe and tobacco twice in a row and found the second bowl to be very boring. Uh, Casey Ghost goes on and says, Jeff Knoll is just a good person. We really appreciated him and Eddie coming to the Casey show last year. They've done yeoman work to keep the pipe collector going. People need to get off their backsides and subscribe to both the NASPC to get the Pipe Collector and the Pipes and Tobaccos magazine. Uh, John Seiler said, and again, couldn't make the podcast last night, was at a Headbangers concert. It was quite good, quite loud, and quite different. But then again, the guitar assignment this week is Iron Man. <laughs> John, you're going going back in time a little bit. Um Regarding your experiment, I let my pipe rest at least 24 hours between bowls. And he goes on to say, Jeff Knoll, one good guy. The work they do to continue the pipe collector attests to Bill's memory. They do a great job. Any pipe smoker who is not an NASPC member should be, if only to get and read the pipe collector. I like the plan to open up the show on Friday night. The NASPC show in Columbus is always a great show and only a three-hour drive for me. And you get to have Bill in the car with you the whole time. Uh, Rant on eBay. He questions eBay stores, what next? They regulate the business to make money, and so they will. They forgot where they came from. Uh, Fuel Pump said, Excellent interview. Makes me look forward to the Chicago Pipe Show. I look forward to the chance to learn from some of the more seasoned pipers. It seems that pipe smokers have this strange similarity. We share an uncanny thirst for knowledge and about anything that takes our interest. We are a rare breed that do not just pick up a pipe, pack it, and light up. 
We want to understand the nuances of the flavors, differences of the tobaccos, as well as the ways to get more enjoyment out of the experience. Much like anything we take an interest in and we want to not only we want not only to enjoy the hobby, we want to understand why we enjoy it and find ways to enjoy it more completely. Uh, I do want to say that yeah, those of us that are on the forums, those of us that are listening to the radio show, there there are a lot of us that want to learn and consistently learn about the pipe world and the pipe hobby. There is a good bunch of pipe smokers out there in the world that just enjoy their pipe and their same tobacco, and they go into their local smoke shop or the drugstore, they pick out a pipe, they buy the tobacco that they like, and they just go about their day smoking it. They're very content with that. We, on the other hand, we're more the exception than the rule. We want to know everything. We want to keep learning. We want to keep pushing forward. Uh, Fuel Pump also agreed, uh, great rant, the original founder of eBay was a man who wanted to provide his wife with a versatile tool in order to trade, sell, and buy her beanie babies. Seems that something has been lost over the years. Yeah, I thought it might have been Pez dispensers, but beanie babies, whatever it is, they seem to have lost it. So, there you go. Alright everybody, rant time, coming up in just a minute. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical. A tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented Perfect Match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. talk to you for a minute about how cheap some of our fellow pipe smokers are and some of you that are listening right now yeah you fall into this category of how cheap you are and i realize money does not grow on trees no i'm not loaded with money i don't have it crawling out of my pockets just jumping out to buy stuff but some of you guys are awfully cheap and i scan through the forums i watch facebook posts and i see all kinds of things about how cheap some of you guys are Yes, I understand it's expensive to buy a pipe just to try it because you're not sure. But when it comes to a specific tobacco blend, I mean, don't be so cheap that you're waiting to, well, I'm waiting for a friend or I'm waiting to try a bowl of it someday. Maybe I'll get a sample, da-da-da-da-da. Buy an ounce of it. Buy two ounces. Buy a tin of it. Try it. Don't be so cheap and so worried that you've got to sit there and wait till you get a chance to get a free bowl of something. If it's a tobacco blend that really interests you, loosen up that wallet, blow the dust off some of those bills, and buy an ounce or two. Find it at your local brick and mortar. Buy it online the next time you're ordering something else. Try it. Try it. It's the only way you're ever going to find out if it's something that you really like. If you're waiting to get a free sample of it, or you've got a long list of stuff that you want to try and you've only budgeted x amount i can understand that but there is no reason to not try something that you really want to see if you're going to like it and also don't just try a bowl or two a bowl or two is not a good sampling of a tobacco blend make sure and smoke at least an ounce at least two ounces smoke all the way through the whole tin don't sit there and 
complain about having to waste a bunch of tobacco. No, you got to smoke through at least an ounce of a blend in different pipes and different sizes to see if you really like it. I mean, honestly, some of you guys are about as tight as a crab's backside. But break open those wallets, try an ounce of this, try an ounce of that. Hey, that's how I found my one blend that I truly love. So there you go. That's the rant for the show. Please make sure and check out the JDRF auctions that are going up on eBay on Saturday. Links to that in the show pages. Uh, If you're on Facebook, like the Pipes Magazine radio show on Facebook or follow me on Facebook. You'll see the t-shirt that I bought that goes all the way back to something I mentioned on the radio show back in December. So, With all that, I wish you all a happy St. Patrick's Day. Thank you to Mark Irwin and uh, Sean for joining me. And... Thank you to the fine folks at the Sutliff Tobacco Company. Until next time. About the clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Due to construction, the information highway will be closed until further notice.